Welcome to the Words of Grace podcast, where we discuss faith journeys, fellowship and stories from across the Diocese of Sheffield. Each week we will feature guests from a broad range of backgrounds and traditions within the Church of England. Our mission is to delve deeper into matters of faith and ask each guest what has drawn them to Christianity. I'm Ben Fern and I'm here with my colleague and co-host Paul Sheridan. You okay? I am. Quite a view behind us, isn't it? We have got quite a view today, yes. I think the OBs, I'm enjoying the OBs much, much more than sitting in that room in Church House, actually, to be fair. So paint the picture for us, Paul. Oh, here here? we go. And (laughs) you're the journalist. You should be able to paint this picture. So we we, we sat with a a lovely set of, like, bifold doors with a view. We're sort of Stannington side, Ben. Is that right? That's exactly where we are. Stannington overlooking Crosspool and Crooks, essentially. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a wet and dreary uh, Yorkshire day, but actually even today, it's still a fantastic view, isn't it? And we've come past Hollyhag Farm, where some gorgeous alpacas have been there before. Yeah, and listener, so Ben was here before me, sat in the lounge, having a cup of coffee. I have to climb down some steps to get to the office, lugging all of the equipment, and the millennial just sits there watching me do it. With an avocado on toast. <laughs> and- <laughs> So we we came separately just to clarify, listener. But yes, I do apologise. Paul was carrying all the equipment whilst I was sat in this comfy chair. It, it literally, struck, <laughs> it struck me as down. a good distribution of labour. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really good. No, it's fantastic. And uh, so, shall we introduce our guest from this lovely lounge that we're sat? Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. So, Ben. Hello, Ben Woolard. We are sat on your sofa. And I thought it would be, sometimes we'd read out a bio, but I, I thought today we would go in slightly differently. We'd just start to talk to you about Arise Sheffield. You're heavily involved in that. Give us some idea of, people will have seen Arise Sheffield around on posters, leaflets. Tell us a bit about it. So Arise is your invitation to be involved in a citywide movement of prayer and mission happening across Sheffield. And it started during lockdown when, um, if you remember, we were all locked away, lots of people watching a lot of Netflix, and a few people had an idea of what if we walked and prayed on every single street of Sheffield. So there was no Netflix for me during COVID. Really? In fact, it was locked. Did you remove your subscription just like Kirsty Olsop told you to? or? <laughs> no, well, there, was, there, was, there was just no opportunity because we'd decided that actually what if um, not only we follow the guidance to take a walk every day, but actually what if that was a prayer walk? Mm. What if people walk, took a walk with Jesus and prayed on every single street of the city? And then we thought, and what if every single household in Sheffield received a postcard letting them know that people were praying for them that Easter? And what if church communities had the opportunity to give out easter eggs that had the gospel message in and we put all those what ifs together and it led to a very exciting and busy lockdown and what we didn't realize at that time was that was kind of the the beginning of an ongoing pattern of prayer and mission that tracks with the liturgical calendar pretty much Kirsty also very much a friend of the podcast of course i don't think she is after that comment but anyway so is this a movement across denominations is this a a, a movement that doesn't care about denomination but just really cares about showing the love of god across this city yes i'd say we do really care about denominations but we care about those denominations working together nice i like what you did there and what this came out of a a group called sheffield leaders in prayer so it's a group of uh church leaders that was actually kicked off 
led by a previous Sheffield Bishop and its church leaders from across the nomination who come together every single month to pray for the city and pray for one another. And out of that group came the idea of a rise. And that's that's what we grew, essentially. And so what we've been what we've seen following that very first one uh, during that time, everyone will remember is over a thousand followers of Jesus from 150 different churches across the wider Sheffield area get involved. I think one of the powerful things about that as well, you know, we often have prayers of intercession in church. So we're praying for other people, people across the world and their situations. But actually, I remember we did this a couple of years ago at Development Day doing prayer walking around Sheffield and actually being on those streets and praying for people by the houses in their situations. It just, it makes it feel a bit more real, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I think all of our denominations uh, are a gift to us because they're, uh, they help us meet Jesus. The different traditions and the, the different ways we decide to engage with God are really helpful. But sometimes, what if we just stripped all of those things away and it's a simple walk with Jesus in the city that he's placed us? And that's the invitation of Arise. But that can also be quite unsettling for some people because you don't know what's going to happen when you leave the house so something as simple as a prayer walk can also be an act of faith as well and tell me about we've got a rise march coming up we've got a launch event coming up in a few days as this episode comes out but the campaign itself is taking place throughout the whole of march just tell me a bit about that yeah so lots of the listeners will be engaging with lent during that time and a great way to engage with lent would be to think about your prayer life to think about your walk with jesus and a rise march is inviting everyone to cover the city in prayer, to discover the prayer needs of the people around you and to recover the joy of Easter. And what we're really excited to see is people just step out of the house to meet with Jesus who is already walking every single street of the city. So what we're not trying to do is add to anything that God's already done. In fact, Arise gets to be us. It's an invitation to relationship with Jesus. And so what's going to happen is we're going to cover the city in prayer. So people will walk and pray. So turn your normal daily walks. If you think about where you've been walking today or you might be walking now, those walks get to become prayer walks. And it's a positioning of, of your heart in prayer towards Jesus as you're walking and praying with him. That gets marked on an app. So people put that on, on an app and we can all see Sheffield light up as people mark where they've been praying. So the different streets that people pray on get lit up as we pray. I like the um, promo video views. It's got some familiar faces from figures in the diocese, but again, across denominations too, which is the whole part of the campaign, isn't it? Yeah, we've been really excited to see churches across the breadth of the Anglican church get involved. So there'll be some very familiar faces there. And again, it's a really good way um, to, to engage with things like Lent, to engage with your prayer life. John Hibbard and the prayer community uh, in the diocese are always really encouraging to do with the rise as well yeah we've had john on the podcast of course that was before development day last year yeah so as you're out and about uh, as an interesting phrase you were using there of of not of sort of working where god's already working not doing something new out there jesus is already out there and it's finding where he's working and working alongside him and is that what you're expecting people to just sense the move of the spirit as they walk around during their prayer walks or just really just to cover the city in prayer or, or a mixture of both so i think once we're walking with jesus it's a lot easier for him to move us interesting yeah and so often there's areas of resistance in our lives that 
something like a simple walk he can guide us so i suppose a simple example would be someone was prayer walking uh, in the manor area and they were walking past a gym that was under construction and they were invited in uh, and the gym was being built it's called the station gym by some christian um gym owners gym not gymnasts but uh <laughs> gym what, owners we'll go with gym owners you can tell gym, how much gym, i go to the gym <laughs> gym gym carners gym, gym. Yeah. <laughs> some gymnies <laughs> gym proprietors <laughs> all right <laughs> they're invited in and they created a connection and they had felt called to the manor area and since then, they've now run four alpha courses out of that gym. A number of people have come to faith, joined local church communities, but also being discipled within the context of a loving gym community. And so there's lots of incidental things. We get lots of stories like that where things happened or people are walking in a different area of Sheffield because it's a good excuse to actually get and see some of the other parts of the city. And suddenly they have a sense of call. Cool. One of the more inconvenient truths about Arise is that when you look at the prayer map at the end of the month, usually the more affluent areas of the city are more lit up. So people have been praying more regularly and the areas that are less affluent have less churches, less Christian activity, are less lit up. And I think that's also a prophetic picture for us, something to look at and to allow ourselves to feel uncomfortable it's a huge it's a huge challenge isn't it i know i can't remember the exact statistic but you know sheffield as a city you can go from one part to the other and the life expectancy can drop significantly if it comes into that affluent via more deprived sort of areas is that something you're sort of centering this campaign more on this year you're trying to focus as much as possible on praying for those areas that are more deprived so we really encourage people pray where you are like god has placed you where you are you're where you are so pray where you are but as part of this month, we are suggesting kind of four different ways to engage. And one would be to scout prayer walk in a different area of the city. And one of the things that struck our community quite hard was the very tragic death of Chris Marriott over Christmas. Uh, those of those who know Chris find it hard to talk about him without smiling because he was just such a uh, an energetic passionate man and we had the privilege of working with him a lot on some food bank collaborations that that we were doing and he very sadly died while taking a walk in an area that god had called him to in, in burn grief pitsmore so there's going to be some group prayer walks this month over march and burn grief will be one of the areas that we're inviting people to say whatever redemptive response to the tragic loss of one of our brothers and sisters in Christ was to go to an area and to walk and pray and bless it. And there'll be other areas where we'll be praying and feeling a bit more triumphant because there'll be a sense of new things that God's doing in those areas. And I think the nature of being a follower of Jesus at, at any time in our life is we always carry that tension of, of tragedy and triumph with us and arise is no different. You see that in our city as we're walking and praying. I think that's a lovely sort of poignant moments sort of celebrating Chris in that way. And that's a really good movement to do. So let's talk about what else are you involved with? Because your name crops up quite a bit. So we have a... Oh dear. Yeah, well, no, no, it's really good, Ben, because we have a slight linking in um, that uh, your one of your allies at Arise and Sheffield Together is John Watts. Uh, call out to John. Um, let's try and introduce him to how to listen to a podcast would be a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, John Watts is uh, father to my 
daughter-in-law, Beth Nemo, to my son, Theo. So I know you have other areas that you're involved in across the citywide churches. So just tell us a bit, a little bit about other stuff that you do. Yeah, so John's our chair of trustees, yep. which is really good. So leads a church called The Rock um, in Burngreave, an amazing multicultural church. And whenever you have sort of a large movement, it's good to have a safe pair of hands that's involved in, in chairing. And uh, John's a very safe pair of hands. And also because no one is that jealous about a church in Pittsmore, uh, it, it means that there's no chance of any egos getting in the way. Not that any people involved in Never church happens. movements ever no, feel no, egotistical no. <laughs> or, or competitive. Um, so together for Sheffield, our, our vision is that we'd see everybody in Sheffield come to know and experience the love of Jesus in the city. And so Arise is all about knowing. It's actually how can we as a church work together? So John 17, uh, that Jesus' great unanswered prayer is that we would be one as he and the Father are one so that the world will know he's been sent. So part of people knowing about the love of Jesus is us being more unified and working together. And then the other side of what we do is uh, people experiencing the love of Jesus. So my background is over um, a number of years when I left university, I built up a recruitment company uh, that happened because I had the opportunity to work as a prison chaplain in HMP Doncaster one day a week. And I asked my boss, can I reduce my hours to four days a week? And she said no. And so I thought, well, I should probably start my own business then so I can work four days a week and volunteer in the prison one day a week. So I built up a um, recruitment company over a number of years, which uh, has slotted very well into one of the things we're doing as Together for Sheffield is we run uh, an amazing provision called Ascend, which is a place for young adults at risk of long-term unemployment to get connected into the workplace, get connected uh, with a mentor, volunteer mentor, and get connected into communities of hope like the church. And it's been a really exciting journey just to see that grow and flourish. And so when people are out and praying know that actually we're always listening to see what the needs are in the city and this city's full of tens and tens and tens of amazing charities that are on the front line trying to meet need so quick story from the the ascend program a lovely young guy called james came uh, to see us who was looking for work and i remember seeing him he's like sweatpants were like ripped down the side and those of us that have been in kind of frontline work will know that poverty has a smell. And I remember kind of that smell of poverty on James as I was meeting him and his teeth were black, just 22 year old lad. And I remember thinking, who is ever going to give James a job? Just picture this guy at the at any interview. And he sort of got a really crumpled CV out of his pocket and put it in front of me and it was full of typos and just the whole thing. I just thought what are we going to do here so we just got in touch with a few employers across the city and said will you give james two two or three shifts unpaid just so he can prove himself as a work experience and an employer said yes the dwp agreed and we got james into the workplace he didn't get interviewed they didn't see his terrible cv he just had the opportunity to prove himself it's now 18 months later james is still there he's and been promoted and the family that he was estranged from because he had no structure in his life have said we've seen that you've been able to build your life back together and have reconnected with him and often the work of 
being a follower of Jesus, if you're listening to this, the chances are, you know, you're in the workplace and we get to be involved in that, that redemptive work all the time um, through, through the work that, that we do and finding someone a good job uh, and a place that they can work and be accepted is, is an, is an amazing kindness, I think, to, to the young adults. So we've been able to build that program out and it's now being supported by uh, Sheffield City Council, which is really exciting. Yeah, that sense of dignity that comes from that, the sense of worth, there's something fundamental about that in the gospel, isn't there? Mm -hmm. That Jesus sees us, um, but people sometimes don't see us. Um, I've been an employer in the past and I've given some people a chance. And I know looking back, there's some people I haven't given a chance to and I've thought backwards and thought I should perhaps have done that. But that sense of dignity, that sense of worth is fundamental at the heart of the gospel, isn't it? There's something amazing about people seeing you in a different way and then allowing them to grow in that yeah and i think part of us following jesus is we get to declare our faith but we also get to demonstrate it and i think so often we create a false dichotomy between demonstrate and declare but as followers of jesus going into the world it's always both and those sort of testimonies as well they encourage other people to to share that redemptive gospel with others too when they see the power of it and how it can transform lives it can be such an inspiration can't it yeah yeah, and I think the young adults involved, again, we're very upfront, so we kind of bill it as a Christians Against Poverty for Employment. So everyone who gets involved know they're dealing with an organisation that is based on the values of Jesus and and is a is a faith-based organisation. One of the things we, um, we joke about in the office is how much, in terms of mentions of the people we work with, Hannah Sandoval seems to get mentioned more than anyone on this podcast. Very much a friend of the podcast, but of course she's our brilliant... Is she paying you? Because you mention her every week at the moment. It's a new, it's a new promo ad. So it's the, <laughs> but she's, of course, our brilliant Knights of Christ enabler. But one thing we've worked on with you as a, as a group, of course, has been Wayfay Fortnite, which I think is a fantastic initiative. We have covered it on the podcast before, but from your side of things, just talk us through how it works, how it first came together. And he's also on brand because he is wearing the Hallow badge as well. He is indeed, yes. Yeah. We practice what we preach here. Fantastic. Um, so obviously big shout out to the amazing Hannah Sandoval of course uh, it is actually one of the things we try and do as an organization is be very open relationally to different people in the city because it's often out of relationship that God wants to to bring new ideas and, and things out at the end of the day that the trinity exists in in relationship and so it's been amazing just growing in friendship with the diocese of Sheffield and people across the diocese and Hannah's been a key person in that and just said yes to kind of collaboration and so a number of years ago during halloween and um, we just had this idea to work together on something called wear your faith fortnight and what that's become is over halloween there's on the run-up school children uh, enter a competition uh, the bishop's badge competition where they design a, an image of the christian faith some of the images that come out are heartwarming, some are heartbreaking, like a big fist saying, don't make God angry. Uh, and other ones like God's love is warm and safe. So it's it's really interesting picture of faith across the city. And then over Halloween, um, the winning badge that's designed by a child and some other badges are made and given out to Christians across the city so they can wear a, an emblem of of their faith. Now, the idea is isn't that this is a, a gimmick it's not a marketing exercise this is actually an exercise in authenticity that we live in a culture where people 
wear and express their beliefs and values through what they wear. And actually, that's an opportunity for us to express and wear our value. And what I love is, especially with the badge designed by children, is it kind of points back to Jesus's love for, for children and his desire that we would be like children and that the kingdom belongs to those that are like children. So I'm, it's always a really exciting time of the year. And it's been really fun to just collaborate and work together with the diocese on, on that. And we've found it a really easy and enjoyable partnership. And the demand's always so huge. I know the, the badgers obviously make available thousands of free badges and they just go, don't they? They're, they're sort of so popular. But also you see from, you know, last year, the designs from children, very thoughtful testimonies. You know, they, there's no sort of filter, do they? Do they say what they think? But actually they've given some really profound sort of statements about faith. Yeah, there's a few things there. So one is people slash Christians and free stuff. They love it, don't they? So guys, I was at the, the diocese development day. People grabbing stuff off the table that wasn't even to be given away for free. <laughs> there were like just some display items, people just opening bags and like pouring it all in. So thank you for your passion and excitement. Uh, uh, but it's interesting this when there is free stuff. So I'm not necessarily sure that's a picture of how successful it is. But people do tend to wear it and be part of it, and they're excited to be, to to be part of it as well. And I think the childlikeness thing is really interesting because another thing that happens across the diocese is godly play, yeah, which is really exciting. And I've been involved in like a few sessions, and I was at a, an Easter session that they did once, and it was they opened it up to adults. And one of the questions was, what part of the Easter story, if you could take it away, would you? And the children were saying, well, the Judas betrayal, we didn't like, and all of the adults just couldn't answer the question because in their minds they weren't allowed to take anything out of scripture and it was just really interesting observing how the adults were sweating at this question which was just very simple i wonder what you'd remove and they found it very hard to to answer so i think there's definitely something for all of us in just remembering that maybe sometimes the way we see things needs to be be challenged and look at things from a different perspective and children are a great a great challenger there absolutely Ben you've given us a great overview of what Arise do and Together for Sheffield and all the different campaigns and it is a blessing to to work with you on those um, partnerships I just want to ask now so we want to bring it to, to you personally Ben if this is okay and look at your own faith journey so growing up were you part of Christian household or did you come to faith at a later date how did it work yeah so I'll let me go a bit further back for you so uh, my dad became a follower of Jesus the year after he married my mum which meant I grew up in a household with a Christian parent and a parent that was fairly resistant to faith being expressed in the house. So the only time my dad was allowed to sort of pray and worship in the house was when he was saying goodnight to us. So I've got memories as a child of this guy getting in from work and just worshipping, singing and worshipping his heart out next to me. So I've got that kind of very strong image but apart from that christian faith being kind of an area of quite high tension within that the household and so my kind of christian walk was we were in church for a bit we're out of church for a bit um and by the time i was kind of in my early to mid-teens none of us were, were going to church in in the house and i had a friend at school and in my experience, and this is still true now, there are Christians that you meet, and when you meet them, you know they have met with Jesus. 
they have been in the presence of the king. You can there's just something about them, and you just know they've met with him. And there's others where that's not always as obvious. And this guy is definitely one of the former. There was just something about him. I was about seventeen. Something about him that he had encountered something different from anything that I'd experienced, and the way he talked about Jesus was like he knew him. And that was really intriguing to me. So he invited me along to a church service. This was in sort of southeast London where I grew up. Um, and went along and there was a guy there just sharing a very simple gospel message. Uh, and it was like a youth service. And he said, that if you don't know that you know that, that Jesus is Lord, then uh, make, have, a, give, have a response. Uh, so I kind of went forward, got prayed for and during the worship someone was playing guitar and singing a song by a band called delirious called majesty and i was singing along to these words and as i was singing along uh this other language just kind of started coming out of my mouth and my first thought was i'm having a stroke and my first response was to put my hand over my mouth and then i took my hand off and this language kept coming out I didn't know what I was saying. It felt very strange. And I also had quite an intense experience of just feeling this sense of, of love and peace just, just flowing through my body. And, you know, obviously since realized that that's what's described in scripture as the, the gift of tongues and a big part of different experiences in, in the early church would, would be that, that gift of, of, among other gifts. But that really felt to me like it was God saying, I'm here and making up for lost time because when i look back there were experiences to follow him earlier and he he made up he made up for lost time so from there i did a christian gap year so gap year called dna um where i lived in denmark for a year and then i came to the university of sheffield and my plan was uh to do uni and i had an internship set up with a member of parliament uh, through an organization called care for when I left university and I got to uni and my very first lecture they said statistically you're going to meet the person you're going to marry while you're here and you're going to carry on living here after you graduated and I thought no I'm going straight back down south and within two weeks I had met my now wife and we're still in Sheffield <laughs> so they were right and I was very wrong. Sheffield has that effect on people I think I remember that being a I did my postgrad here was a statistic about I think the retention rate of graduates is um like probably the highest in the country in Sheffield. So, and again, this is quite a personal question. You don't have to go into detail, but that you mentioned that tension between parents with Christian faith growing up. As you sort of explored your faith and and delved into it deeper as an adult, has that did that continue with your family, or did you have sort of new conversations about faith? So, I've I think my parents are always so releasing and affirming of anything I wanted to do which was amazing, very kind of open-handed, laissez-faire in terms of different dreams or ideas I had. And so I've always felt equally by both of them just very loved and supported in, in who I am, which has been a, an amazing privilege. Uh, so because of that, it meant that my faith was talked about and there was space for me to share this kind of journey that I was going on. And although different members of family like had real issues with the church, they were also gave me space to share and express. So my mum's definitely become a lot, lot more sympathetic towards the, the, the Christian faith, which is, is just as well, because obviously a big part of my life has been about 
connecting people from different corners of the church to find common ground to work together in prayer and mission and ultimately point to Jesus. So it's useful at Christmas that it doesn't feel too awkward to talk about. <laughs> so obviously your faith has informed your work life. The, the, you, you, the work has come out of your faith, that idea of, of connection, of self-worth, of belief that Jesus is a, a life-changing force, not just for people, but a redemptive force in society, I suppose. So was that something that was strong with you before your faith? Did you feel that call to sort of social action before that, or was that intrinsically part of the gospel that you discovered? Sorry, that's quite a long question and quite a deep question. It's a good question. It's really good. I think there's definitely been an unlocking and a kind of recovering of who God created me to be on, on the journey. So the more we walk with Jesus, the more he challenges, provokes, and stares down our insecurities. I'd say that's definitely been part of it, which has enabled me to feel more comfortable around other people and more comfortable around a more diverse uh, group of people. I think a common thread um, in my life has always been about the excitement about building connection and about bringing people together that might not otherwise be brought together. And that's the case from my childhood, trying to engage different groups with each other. And I suppose I always would have been the sort of person that wanted you to meet their best friend. And so when I started following Jesus and was experiencing uh, his love and that change, I wanted people to meet him. And sometimes I think the more we're involved in Christian culture, we can kind of complicate that journey a bit. But a big part of the Christian walk is simply we have experienced a lot from meeting Jesus. And why don't you come and meet my friend Jesus? Come and meet him. And we see that in the disciples. They, they, people, they say, you know, come, come, come and meet Jesus. You see that with Andrew and Simon. And I think sometimes we can overcomplicate and overthink these things. So as someone that enjoys sharing my faith and likes encouraging other people, sometimes people say things like, I don't believe in evangelism. And for me, that question's like saying, I don't know what shape yellow is because all evangelism is is just inviting people to meet the one that we've met that's changed our lives so much. And so if there is some kind of cynicism in that area that for people listening now, I'll just really encourage you to take that to him, take that to Jesus and kind of rediscover the simplicity of what the life that he's invited you into. And God surprises us, doesn't he? I mean, you've mentioned there about a determination to go back to roots, go back down south, and then suddenly life's changed as you were told it would happen in terms of meeting your now wife and things like things like that. But that is a big thing, isn't it? You're settling down roots into a city that, well, is now, of course, home, but wasn't home initially. Yeah, I'd, I'd always say of Sheffield, you know, some are born here, some are drawn here. And I might have been born down south, but I've grown up in Sheffield. I've become a, an, an adult, I've entered the workplace for the first time, I've built a family here. So in that sense, I kind of, it really feels like I'm, I've been adopted by this, by the city. That's a good tagline, I like that. Yeah, like that. So you left university, you were working, and I wanted to go back to something you mentioned about prison chaplaincy. So you asked for, I want to do this a day a week, and your boss said no. And that was so important to you that you left your job to make sure that you could do that. So what, what draw you, drew you to prison chaplaincy and what was that about 
for you really because that must have been something that you felt was really really important to do that wasn't just like saying oh can I have a day off no oh, okay then there was something more to it than that wasn't there yeah I think and I suppose what we're tapping into here is how do you recognize God's call and direction on your life that is what we're tapping into yes and sometimes we just the answer is we we don't and we just faithfully follow Jesus the best way we know how and there's no specific sense of direction and that's really legitimate uh, and an amazing space that faith can grow I think for this I just had a real sense I met um I met a prison chaplain on the train on my commute got to know him he was working at HMP Doncaster uh, which we call Doncatraz nice yeah, yeah. a little known fact one of the uh origin stories of why there's no churches in Sheffield is apparently to, uh, sorry rewind no <laughs> no prisons in Sheffield not that I would ever compare a church to a prison hello listener if, <laughs> you're, <laughs> if your church does feel like a prison I encourage you to pray walk this much <laughs> there we go we brought it back around that's fine one of the reasons apparently there's no prisons in Sheffield is because of the Wesleyan revival which obviously was an Anglican revival because Wesley was an Anglican his whole life. Um, but that's one of the things they say, well, there's not a prison even to this day in Sheffield. So I bumped into a guy who's working in Doncaster Prison. He invited me to come in with him and experience it. And I really enjoyed it. I found it quite a threatening environment, uh, but I did really enjoy it. And he said, what if you did this more regularly? And as I kind of prayed about it the this growing sense of i have to do this i have to do this so when my boss said no we're not reduced you can't reduce your hours at work and i was working in recruitment at the time she said it can't be done in recruitment it kind of wasn't really an option for me it was well this is where i'm going so what's the best way to follow this sense of of call and i think when you're younger there's less things in the way there it's there's less people to think about but i would encourage everyone to just be true to that sense if you know in your knower that something's meant to happen then you you need to do it there's this amazing scene in the life of pi where he travels across the ocean and he ends up on this luscious amazing island and he thinks it's the end of his journey and he's on this beautiful island he eats during the day. But then at night, it turns out the island's carnivorous and it's actually eating the things that are on the island and sucking out his life force. And I, I rem what strikes me about that image is that's what it's like when we choose comfort over the call that God has on our lives. But also having helped thousands of people into new jobs, I see that in people that stay in a job that they know they shouldn't be in. And this isn't even talking about God's call. This is just when people know that they shouldn't be in that job, but they stay there because it's comfortable and it sucks the life out of them. And so to learn that lesson early on, to be true to the call and say, yes, I count as, again, just a real, a, a real gift because it's really stuck with me that when you get that sense of call and movement, you've, you've got to follow it and uh, trust that God's going to, be with you and take risks as well yeah yeah and definitely take take risks and again when you're part of community that becomes a lot easier right when you've got 
friends and family and church community around you, it becomes easier to to take risks. Ben, that's been a sort of fascinating journey, I think, um, from your, your childhood and through to your working life. And again, you're calling, you know, even pushing back against resistance, sort of the chaplaincy mode there as well. Um, I was going to come on to the lighthearted questions, but Paul, I think if you yeah, got no, one more was, to... I was just going to come back to the work thing. I, I, Bally, your opinions on this. So, you know, I'm a lot older than you two guys. And there was a time around... A little bit church. older. Well, I'm not a lot older. Uh, there was a time around church when the the high point of, of anyone's work life was to become a minister. You know, it was like aspirational mm. to become a pastor or so on and so forth. And then, but very much during the sort of 90s time, there was a lot of work done around the mission field of work and how it is important for Christians to be in the work sphere and to be missional in that part. And that is not just to sit in the office and moan about everyone saying, as a Christian, you're doing terrible. Stop swearing because I'm a Christian. It's part of our missional activity. And I I'm, I'm, I think there's something about what you've done that you've seen the opportunity there for, for Christians in the workplace to carry out the mission of Christ. You don't have to have a dog collar. You don't have to stand at the front on a Sunday to be a, a proper Christian. I just wonder some of your thoughts around around that. Have you've helped people into the world of work, you lived in that world of work and been a Christian. And just some words of encouragement or help for people out there that find that area difficult. Yeah, well, I'd really like to encourage people that your work is worship, that whatever whatever you you do as your work is is worship, and the word for work and worship in Scripture is is a bard, and it's the same word, and a. God's really challenged my thinking in this. So I went into that prison uh, after starting my own business thinking I'm working four days a week so I can do the God bit one day a week. I yeah. genuinely believe that. Yeah. That I, and the, the, but that was our thought, wasn't it? That that almost the church pushed that moment, didn't it? That you're working all week so that you can be here on a Sunday. This is the moment or Saturday when we do our, our street work in this town square. That's the mission of God. And it was we had to push back against that and say, well, actually, guys, Monday at eight o'clock, that's my mission. Yeah. Well, I think it's really deep. I think we're just scratching the surface. I think I'm only scratching the surface of unlearning some of this. And I think through my work running recruitment company, I suddenly realized that I needed Jesus so much. So not work even as a mission field, but as a context for discipleship. Mm work the workplace is one of the best places to become more like jesus because as a small business owner one look at the bank account and you're on your knees dealing with difficult employees you're on your knees realizing what it can be like to work with you sometimes you're on your knees and so it creates that opportunity and that intimacy with god because you realize you really need him and i think what the structure of church does, and I love the local church and really, really believe in it. What the structure of it does is you come on a Sunday and you're part of a um, a social group that has its own hierarchy. And so every week what's being enforced is, well, that's the place to be on the stage. That's the thing to say. And I really, um, one thing I'll often say when I'm talking to people in the workplace and business people is, Hands up if you can remember the last time someone who went on a two-week mission trip was prayed for at the front of church. All, all the hands go up. When was the last time you remember someone being brought to the front of church and them saying, hey, let's, let's pray for Jane. She's the FD of a really big company and she's responsible for a lot of people. Not one hand goes up. And so I think there's something about our language and our behavior as church that can affirm people in the workplace. 
and not just to kind of instrumentalize them as someone to drag people out of their workplace into your church but actually the people who are going into the workplace and you listening now you're you you're sent you're there to be a representative of jesus and that doesn't mean that there's a kind of a, a target list in front of you saying oh i need to talk about jesus today it means that actually just by being there by being a follower of jesus in that place and doing the work your work that you're called to and doing it as worship you you are living out god's plan to see his kingdom come and his will be done in in the place that you're at and there's an organization called worship.works there's uh, the LICC there's lots of amazing jubilee center lots of amazing theologians that are kind of digging into this space but i i need to be reminded all the time because i think it, that we've got a long way to go in terms of really recognizing workers worship and i meet too many people at the end of their career actually that say finally i can retire and become a, 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 a minister or a lay reader or and it's like they've been waiting 30 years in order to do the god bit and i just think oh what a waste because god probably placed you in your career with those expertise to be an ambassador of him and there's something about the way we've been taught that means that sometimes we've missed that yeah and the parables of christ talk about work in an agrarian economy don't they they talk about real life talk about family relationships that's where the thorns, that's where the real meat of the gospel is, is around those relationships. It, so often that's where our discipleship and our love for Christ is really tested and is sorted through, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. Anyway, go back to, let's go back to the fun bit. I don't know why I went there, but anyway, yeah. No, that, yeah. that was another good exploration yeah. then. Again, some very thoughtful answers there, Ben, and just, yeah, commend you on the work that you and the team do and um, long may that success continue. We're going to throw in some much more lighthearted questions now. Um, I don't know if you're into sport at all. Are there any particular football teams or sports you're into? I've actually started climbing recently. All right, okay. So the climbing centres in Sheffield. It's a bit of a, a Sheffield thing. It is very much so. Um, so uh, about six to eight months into climbing, as you can see here, I've got like some proof of small calluses on my hands. Uh, so that that's, that's quite good. Um, and yeah, I was never that good at sport. So I used to put myself in goal at school and hope that with probability, I, just by standing there, I'd save a few. <laughs> so, and I wasn't very good at school either. <laughs> so what about, you've already mentioned films. So films is something that, that, you, that you spend time watching. I suspect you're quite busy, young family, lots going on. But kicking back in this lounge on a Saturday night after the kids are in bed with a glass of red wine, what's going on the telly? Oh, that's a really good question. What is going on the television? It depends. So obviously on a Venn diagram, there's not loads that me and my wife necessarily agree on. So we've found it easier to just take turns watching things. Oh, right, okay. And um, rather than try and find like a compromise film. Mm. Uh, so I... Uh, so where do you go? Where do I go? Well, even then, I find that I'm still not quite... I can like put Fury on or something, which is a, a World War II film. So I, I do quite like things that are stories. I really like films that are about people's lives uh, quite a lot. Let me just try and think. Captain America, the first Avengers. Mm. Yeah, I've gone off Avengers. So whenever I notice there's a pattern in the way something's been made, I kind of switch off it. So as soon as I pick up that there's like a pattern that's being followed, I, I just get bored, unfortunately. So I kind of have to move, move around quite a lot. Um, 
just for if it's like 20 minute bit of light comedy like there's stuff like something called parks and recreation oh yeah right, yeah, 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 yeah. enjoy and have, yeah. have a good laugh about uh i like like lots of political things so political thrillers are really interested in kind of that that space and, and the political world as well uh a film i watched recently which i found mind-blowing on amazon prime terrible name it's called landscape with invisible hand Not and it's about a, a world where aliens have already taken over but they took over kind of non-violently and they kind of exist above the earth in their kind of alien city and it's kind of a real comment on gentrification um move movement and it's really, really. I found it really interesting. It's very odd, but lands- <laughs> landscape with invisible hand. It's wow. based on a book, and I often find films based on a book have a bit more depth to them. Yeah. Although, actually, what did me and my wife watch the other day? We watched a film called Plane with Gerald Butler. So it's uh, okay. Because I can't moved, imagine why she wanted to watch that. You moved the bar <laughs> quite a bit there. Yeah. So, yeah. A gear change, as you'd say. <laughs> I gear, would say that gear, was a gear change. A gear change. Yeah. yeah. So just before we wrap up books, we I can I've noticed downstairs and around there's a lot of books around. What what's on the bedside table at the moment? Uh, so my wife has a rule that when the books on my bedside table hit the top of the dormer, it's they've got to go down again. Right. So I think we're probably at so about... are they partially read, or are they just there and think i must get around to that because i have a mixture of yeah. reading yeah things i should have read and a pile that i've started and i'm halfway through and i'm just having a break yeah from. so what i'm working out bedtime's a lot about any book that i can pick up and look in yeah so i've got a book about cocktail making i started making cocktails over covid right um so i've got a, the sun's over the yard arm we could sample that straight after this yeah we'll wait for the weekend everyone wait yeah. for the weekend uh and I've got a few poetry books. Uh, I've got um, what 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 else have I got there? Uh, and I'm reading. I love biographies and autobiographies. I'm reading a biography about an amazing man called Frederick Douglass, who was a major voice in the uh, anti-slavery movement during Abraham Lincoln's time. So he was an escaped slave that became one of the most well-known orators, and um, and he was famous for saying, "Power does nothing without a demand." So this idea that if you want to shift something, if you want to change something, you have to place a demand on the status quo in order to cause a change. And I just, I love that idea. It was a key movement in the civil rights campaign. I remember it was, sort of yeah. Down history a bit. Yeah. Uh, my last question, it might sound a little bit partridge, but obviously lots of prayer walking in the city. But in terms of more general walks, your time here in Sheffield, do you have any particular favourites at all? Uh, so my wife and I have got a day together and we're looking at Wynn Hill. Uh, which oh, yeah you know very short prayers on your way up wind hill because it's a lot of lot of deep breaths it's pretty steep incline so i'm not sure i'd be doing much prayer walking my way up wind hill that's fair enough i think we need to bring our um time to an end there ben's got another cocktails now well ben's going out but if he just leaves the stuff for the cocktails i think you and i can have a bit of a party like an espresso martini or something you could put together so yeah an old-fashioned yeah um ben thanks so much for your time Thanks so much. I know you're busy and it was great to be here uh, and spend some time with you. And thanks for your thoughts. It's been really insightful. I've really enjoyed it. And thanks for listening, everyone. Really yeah. appreciate you. And all the best for Arise March as well. Yeah. Look forward to it. Prayer Where walk. Can, Arise March website. What's the best place for people yeah, to find so it? Yeah, so arisesheffield.org. If you join the email list, we'll be able to send you a link to the, the, the app that you can use. And I just really encourage you to just walk with Jesus in a different way this March. So if you're listening, 
make it part of your Lenten experience that during March you get involved with Arise and prayer walk your local area and see your place in new ways. Doesn't get any better than that. We'll finish there. Thanks for your time, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Ben and Ben. And Paul. And Paul. <laughs> Bye, listeners. Bye. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye.